Welcome to this message from Journey Church. Our hope is that you'd encounter God and His purpose for your journey. Be sure to visit us online at www.journeykc.com. Today, we've got a special guest. We've got Mike Plain with us today. Mike and I go way back. Uh, we were on staff at the same church for uh, several years together. His office was a few doors down from mine. Uh, he was my boss for a while as a senior associate pastor, and I was a youth pastor, so he had to keep me in line. And how many of you guys know I probably gave him some grief over those years? Um, that's just no. part of it. No, 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 no. Okay. Um, so, uh, but he's done all sorts of things. He's been a, like I say, senior associate pastor. He's been a pastor, church, church plant, planter, campus pastor, pastor to pastor. I mean, just you name it. He travels around the country and he speaks all over the place. Would you guys give him a big hand as he comes up and he shares the word of the Lord this morning? No trouble whatsoever. <laughs> Becca gave me no trouble whatsoever. <laughs> and that's all I'll say. Hey, you're a social media church, so we got to do a selfie, all right? Huh? I did a selfie with the last service. I was just looking at the picture. I got about this much of my head. <laughs> got the greasy part of my hair. Okay, come on. All right, y'all got to lean in. Come on. Come on, everybody get in here. Everybody wave. Come on. Okay. I'm convinced. Maybe Jesus wouldn't have had an iPhone, but I'm sure, surely convinced that the Apostle Paul would have. <laughs> He'd have been Snapchatting stuff from Galatia. You know, could you imagine John on the Isle of Patmos with an iPhone? <laughs> hey, I just had this thought. See these things coming up out of the sea? Oh, man, you know. Read the book of Revelation. You all understand what I'm saying. Anyway, it's, it's a privilege enough of that silliness, okay? Um, it's a privilege to be here. It really is. And um, we do go back. I was sitting when you said, yeah, we go way back. I'm thinking, Sean, you're not old enough to say way back. But anyway, yeah, it's relative. But, um, you know, I'll say this about knowing um, Sean and Becca for years and watching them and, and just being here. I've been here before, just not during church services. We connect, and I'd stop by here and watch what God is doing. And, and uh, God's doing an amazing thing here. He's doing some really profound things here. And um, a lot of it is because of you. But there's also a lot of it is because of them. And, and this is what I tell people, and this is what I'll say to you. Uh, Sean and Becca Phillips are some of the most pure-hearted people you'll ever find. They're some of the most authentic people you'll ever find. And uh, that's refreshing today because that's what people are looking for is authenticity. Just give it to me real, okay? And that's what you see with them is what you get. And that's refreshing to me. And God can use that, and God is using that. And so... Um, you know, I, I, I'm just blessed by you guys and how God's, how you're letting God use you. And, and, but I will tell you this, you guys are just, you're really just beginning. You've been what, 10 years, 2006, was it? And so you're really just beginning and, and you're kind of, I, I kind of see journey church like this, you know, so he stands at the edge and you're like, the first thing you want to do is try to catch him. And uh, the thing about it is Jesus isn't trying to catch you. He's trying to push you. He's trying to push you off the edge of where you're at because there's so many things in front of you that, that's so profound. And it, it, it's, it's going to be so mind-blowing, you know. Um, one of the things I love about I work with a lot of young 20- and 30-year-olds and church planters and, and um, uh, young men and women taking their first pastorate. The church, one of the young men that I've mentored, I mentor a number of young men, one of the young men that I mentored uh, and am mentoring, have mentoring, uh, three and a half years ago, um, he took for, the, for his first pastorate position, lead pastor of church of about 1,500. This last Easter, they had 5,700 in their church service. 
In three and a half years, their church has grown from 1,500 to pretty consistent around 3,800, 4,000. And that, when I walk in here, it has the same feel. Journey has the same feel as that church. That's why I'm saying look out because see this, you know, there's a book wrote a number of years ago about the tipping point. And there's, there's times it seems like you just get to this place and it's just a certain thing happens and it just propels you into something that's a magnitude. And that's what I feel about Journey Church. You're at this tipping point and there's, there's I don't know when it's going to happen. It may be this year. It really may be this year, maybe this week. But something, it's just, it's good to just, and it's going to move you into a propelling uh, movement. Because, see, you have to understand something about churches. Church, in God's design, church was never intended to be a location for people to just meet. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ was, is, and will always be intended to be a movement. And see, what we have to do is that so many of the churches in the United States, at least, are designed to be a meeting and not a movement. But you, in this place, have God has used you to design this place to be a movement. And so get ready. Because, see, what a movement does, a movement will transform a culture. The civil rights movement, it wasn't a meeting. It was a movement, and it transformed our culture. The Jesus movement, back in the 60s and 70s, I come out of a little bit of a, the tailspin of the Jesus movement. What did it do? It changed our culture. That's why I do what I'm doing, is to help churches understand you need to be a movement, not a meeting. I'm done with church meetings. I want to be a part of a movement, something that transforms a culture, something that changes a a city. Can a city be changed in a day? Yes, not by a meeting, but by a movement. And God has called Journey Church, Journey Church of KC, to be a movement. So guess what? If you come for a meeting, you're going to be very uncomfortable. (laughs) I like your sleeves. Here's the other thing about working with these young guys and gals. My generation is very intimidated by working with them. You know why? Because they're far more anointed and gifted and innovative and creative than my generation. I work with these young guys and I'm like, wow, these guys are so much more anointed than me. And they all have tattoos. (laughs) So I decided I'm going to get a tattoo so my anointing will go up. Thus far, I haven't got the tattoos. My anointing just kind of sub right now. But, but I'm, 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 I'm waiting, you know. I got the whole thing designed. I'm ready. I'm, and I'm, I'll, walk, I'll walk out of that tattoo that day, and there'll be an aura around me. Woo, angels will be walking. I'm just kidding. But see, if, if my generation has done their job, then this generation... We'll do so much more, see so many things, carry weights of glory and the presence of God on them far more than what my generation has. And my generation better be celebrating that. I do. I work with these guys and I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have had that. But at least I had a little bit of a part in helping that. And that's my part. I don't know why I'm going this direction, but it's good, isn't it? <laughs> and see, I, I'm saying all this to say, get ready. If you're not, get ready. My message is going to tie into this, I, I, I guarantee it. 
But get ready because there's some things that in this next year or two years is going to exceed your expectation. And it's going to challenge you. It's going to challenge you. I get challenged when I work with these generations. But it's good. It's a good challenge. God's going to challenge you. God's going to challenge some of you to get out of your comfortability and get uncomfortable. I was just sharing with a couple after the last service. They said, you know, we're kind of empty nesters now and, you know, and all this and, and everything. I said, hey, I know where you're at, man. I was an empty nester and now all of a sudden now I'm raising a 17-year-old. It was comfortable, but it's good. Sometimes life throws things at you. And it'll make you uncomfortable. But it's good. It's good. It causes you to grow. It causes you to expand. It makes you think differently. These 20, 30 year old guys over here, they keep me young. Tired, but young. I told him one day, I said, I said, most of you guys can't keep up with me. I said, the way I run, most of you guys can't even keep up with me. And they said, try us. I should have never said that. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's a different day and a different time that we live in. This is a critical time that we live in. There is so much importance for the kingdom of God on the earth that, that is in the balance here. And it can go one way or the other. It can easily go one way or the other. It's all going to be determined by what we focus on. See, 2016 was a crazy year, wasn't it? Would you not agree with me that 2016 was a crazy year? It was what I called the year of distraction. I had, you know, many things, political, global, I mean, all kinds of things. It was, just, it was just a year of distraction. And, and, but here's what I found is that, especially when we got into the politics, is that it, it brought this division. There's this quote. Can you throw that, that Winston Churchill quote up there for me? It says this, you'll never reach your destination if you stop and throw stones at every dog that barks. And there was a lot of barking dogs in 2016. And what I saw in the body of Christ is that we stopped to throw stones, but we were throwing stones at each other. Christians were throwing stones at each other. And it brought division. I watched long-standing relationships get broken. Divided. Families divided. Why? Because we got focused on the wrong things. We took our eyes off of the kingdom. We allowed our vision to get blurred. There's a scripture. Turn with me to Mark chapter 8. I'll read to you a portion of this scripture. You all hanging in there with me so far? <clears throat> you can tell I'm a little bit impassioned about this. Just a little bit. Mark chapter 8 verse 22. Let's start there. And they, Jesus and his disciples, came to Bethsaida. And some people brought to him, to Jesus, a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and he led him out of the village. He took the blind man and said, so you're going to be my blind man. Okay, put your stuff down. You're going to come with me. Come on. So he took the blind man and he took him, he took him away from the crowd. 
And the scripture said then he, he did something. He, he, he spit in his eyes. I'm not going to do that. Okay. <laughs> be kind of gross, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he, he, he spit in his eyes. And he said, what do you see? And, and, and the blind man said, I, I see people, but they look like trees. So it said that Jesus laid his hands on him again, and it said that his sight came to him, his eyes were opened, and he saw all things clearly. Thank you. Praise God for not spitting in your eyes. So you see, I wore glasses. Now if I take my glasses off, you all look like trees. But I put my glasses on, I see all these amazing, beautiful people. Why is that? It's a strength issue or a lack of strength issue. See, the reason that our eyes focus is because we have these tiny muscles in our eyes called ciliary muscles that are connected to the lens of our eyes. And so when we come into different lights and different settings, what happens is that those muscles either, they, they either allow the lens of our eye to flatten out or to become more curved. And so because if those muscles become weak, then they don't allow your eye to curve like it should to allow your eye to focus. So it's a strength issue. And so what the distractions of 2016, I believe, have done have weakened some of our focus. And so God in this year, I believe, is wanting to strengthen us in some areas, so that we can once again become focused. Everybody say focus. There's a portion of scripture in Matthew chapter 6. I'm just going to read it to you. It's out of Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. It says, The eyes of your spirit allowing revelation light to enter into your being. If your heart is focused, the light floods in. But if your eyes are focused on money, you could put numerous things in that category, the light cannot penetrate and darkness takes its place. How profound will be the darkness within you if the light of truth cannot enter? So I'm reading this portion of Scripture. And it talks about what jumps out to me is that is it if your heart is focused or if your eyes are focused, what are you allowing to direct your life? Your heart or your eyes? Now what's also interesting about 2017, as I was studying just some things at the end of last year, I found that 2017 is the Jewish year 5777 on the Jewish calendar, which the year 5777 on the Jewish calendar is a Jubilee year. Now, if you study your Bible, you'll find in Leviticus chapter 25, it lays out all about what the year of Jubilee is. Now, the Orthodox Jews don't observe the year of Jubilee right now, because it was connected to a condition that was only to be observed if all 12 tribes of Israel were back residing in, Israel, in the land of Israel, which, they, which at the present time they are not. So the Orthodox Jews don't observe or celebrate the year of Jubilee as of yet. But nevertheless, it doesn't negate the fact that this year is a year of Jubilee. Now, Many times what we do when we read that, we think it's all about forgiveness of debt, which it is, the restoration of lands and houses, which it is, but those were only a means for an end. The reason that God instituted the, the year of Jubilee is so that the children of Israel would stay focused on the things that God set in their lives for them to be an importance for their lives, which was, one, their covenant relationship with God, and two, their covenant relationship with one another. 
So the year of Jubilee was about being focused on the things that God wanted us to be focused on. So then I'm, I'm, I'm studying on that, and then I read this whole account of Mark chapter 8 about Jesus, with, and he lays a hand, and he says, what do you see? So what if I asked you, what do you see? What are you seeing? Or let me, maybe a better question is, what are you seeing with? Because these scriptures are talking about what we're seeing with our heart is more important than what we're seeing with our eyes. See, what happens when we allow things into our life, this is the greatest detriment about sin in our lives, is that sin takes up heart capacity. It really does. It takes up space that God wants. So when we sin, it takes up a little part of our heart, our life, that God can't be in. Because God won't have any fellowship with sin. Now, God will have fellowship with the sinner, because we see Jesus doing that all the time. But he won't have, he won't share space. He won't reside. He won't, he won't share an apartment with sin. So either I'm going to live there or it's going to live there. So that's the importance of us keeping our hearts open and pure in as much space as, as we can possibly give to God, which is all. How much space does God want in your life? He wants all of it. Sometimes that scares the socks off of people. You mean God wants all of my life? Yes. God wants all of your life. What about this? Or what, what, if you really stop and think about it, if you really get a glimpse of the life of God, you're like, do away with it. I'll take that. But it's like the difference between a New York cut sirloin that's been aged and cooked to about a medium rare versus chicken nuggets. <laughs> Processed whatever. You get the point. So there's some things that God is wanting us to do. I came across this quote by Alvin Toffler. Alvin Toffler is an author, a futurist. If any of you have ever read any of his stuff, he's a futurist. I look at them as prophets. They're like, they see things, okay? And he said this, The illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read or write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. My friends, I'm telling you, 2017 is a year that we need to learn, unlearn, and relearn some things so that we can be focused on the right things. Can somebody say amen to that? Okay, let's talk about some of these. What do we need to learn? I think the first thing that we need to learn, there's many things that we need to learn. I'm not going to talk about all of them. But I think one of the things that we need to learn is we need to learn how to communicate. We need to learn how to talk to people. We need to learn how to talk to people that are outside of Christianity. Because many times when we talk to them, they don't understand what we're talking about, or they get a skewed view of what we're talking about. They don't really understand what we're talking about, or because of some maybe experience or something, preconceived concepts, they take it as that. I explain it this way. Psalms 137. It's the account of David's rehashing some things about the Babylonian captivity. And he said that our, our Babylonian captors kept coming to us while we're in captivity. And they kept saying, sing us some of those Zion songs. And I was always wondered, why would these heathens want to come hear these very spiritual songs. Well, this is what I found out in doing a little research. The Babylonian captors were misunderstanding 
the songs of Zion. It's like this, the best way I could put it in a mixed crowd. It's like going into a biker bar and singing the Song of Solomon. Read the Song of Solomon, you'll understand what I'm talking about. They misunderstood the intent of the intimacy and the wonder and the words of they and they, they saw it in a different why because they didn't understand the language and so many times when we talk to people outside of Christianity they some of the words we use they don't understand hey bless my, how about come get in the word with me brother get in the word with you what are you talking about my wife and I recently uh, we took in a foster child for several months, and it was a bad family situation. My wife is a teacher. She teaches seventh grade middle school. God bless her. woman has an anointing on her. But how many of you are in seventh grade? Yeah, well, God bless you. My wife loves seventh graders. She does. Anyway, so it was one of the girls in her class, their whole family, all their, the siblings got taken away from them home it was a bad situation and uh so we we took her into our home for several months she'd never been in church never been in church we're church people we go to church so one thing is she didn't want to go to church too bad you're living in our home we go to church you're going to church so she goes and one of the first Sundays she goes with they're doing baptisms now remember, she'd never been in church. So we're there, curtain opens, people there, they're pushing people underwater. She has no clue what's going on. She didn't understand either what baptism was, what it meant, what it was, what they were saying. She had no clue what was going on. And then, you know, we, we, we have a really great pastor. He's a great communicator. He does a good job. But yet still with some of the, the words that he would, it was like she had no clue what he was saying. And God used that to really reiterate this to me. Is that sometimes with people that have never been in church, they don't understand or they must understand what we're trying to say to them, convey to them. So I think we need to learn how to talk to the world. I'm not talking about cussing with the guys that work that cuss. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is using a language, learning to use a language to be real with people so that they can understand it. All right? First of all, we need to really understand people. How do we see people? How do we perceive people? I I call it, do we see them as Genesis 1 people or Genesis 3 people? Genesis chapter 1, God creates man. He said God created man in the image of God. In Genesis chapter 3, we see the fall and there, man becomes a sinner. So do we see people created in the image of God, or do we see people as sinners? And you say, well, yeah, but they are sinners. True. But the way that you see them will greatly impact the way that you communicate with people. Because I can look at the guy in the biker bar. I know, I used to hang out in biker bars. I, I know how they can look. And, and they can look like sinners. And they are. But you know what? You know how I see them now? I see them as men and women created in the image of God. We must learn to see people how God sees people. Because many times, and I've come to realize the reason that many times God has grace and mercy where we won't is because we see them as sinners and God sees them as people created in His image. The next thing we need to do is, is we need to unlearn some things. I won't embarrass Sean last service I did. I, come on, buddy. I didn't really embarrass him. But I, I had him rebutton his shirt. You know, you ever do that? You ever get some? I was, I don't know where I was. I was going into a meeting, you know, months, several months ago, and I looked down, and my shirt was buttoned like this. I'm like, what a doofus, you know? <laughs> and so I had to stop and rebutton my shirt. 
And that's, that's kind of what I see in some of the things that we need to unlearn is that we need to be willing to kind of un, rebutton our shirt in the body of Christ. There's some things we need to unlearn. Um, because you know what? Some of the things that we've, we're praying for God to restore, God's wanting to replace. And we wonder why things are the way they are is because God says, I don't want to restore that in your life. I want to replace it. And because of that, Jesus wants to replace your longing for the past with a passion for the future. Now, we had some good times. Pastor Sean and Becca and I, we could, you know, we have, and we talk about some of the good times we had in the past. But guess what? We're never going to go back there. You cannot go back to the past, but you can move into the future. There's no way you can go to the past. And I, I see so many people who want to keep rehashing the past, and, and that's all they want to do is talk about the past. Why is that? It's because they have no passion for the future. They don't want to look forward. But my friends, that really is the only option we have, is going forward. I, I didn't tell this last time. I'll, 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 and I won't linger on this, but I'll tell you this. <clears throat> a little over seven years ago, I was married for 33 years, and a little over seven years ago, I come downstairs at 1045 in the evening to find my wife of 33 years passed away, sitting on the couch. Just, boom, laptop, computer still on her lap. Gone. And through all that, I won't go into all of it, but through all that, you know what I, I, I come to realize? I had one option. And that was my future. To move forward. And sometimes, my friend, you have to fight for their future. And you cannot fight for the future if you don't have a passion for the future. You cannot fight and make the sacrifices that we're going to need to make by being mediocre and apathetic. It's going to take passion. You're going to have to say, no, I'm, I'm moving forward. I'm going forward. Because I could have stayed in that very dark place. It was a very, very dark place. And I stayed there for a while. Until I realized this. When God broke through to me, my emotions were screaming so loud. I couldn't hear the voice of God, which scared the socks off of me because I'd lived my life hearing the voice of God. And I couldn't hear the voice of God because my emotions were screaming. And finally one night, the Lord broke through. His voice broke through. It wasn't that God wasn't talking. God was talking to me the whole time. It's just my emotions were screaming so loud I couldn't hear him. And finally one night... Sitting in the darkness. Night after night I would sit in the darkness and cry. Because I had no hope. I couldn't see. I literally couldn't see, but it was a reflection of where I was. I could not see. And one night God's voice broke through and he said this, I am not done with you yet. And that's all I needed. That's all I needed. And that night, my friends, I got a passion for my future. But if God's not done with me yet, then I'm not going to sit here in the darkness. I went over and I turned a light on. And I turned some music on. And that night was a, was a, was a tipping point for me. That I began to pursue the future that God had for my life. And it was not easy and I'm telling you, the future that God has for you may not be easy, but I'm telling you, I'm sit standing here today with my life with more joy and fulfillment and happiness and laughter and love that's exceeding I didn't think I'd ever get to experience before again. 
And it's only because I was willing to focus on the future. So don't tell me you can't do it. You can do it. See, I've learned something this last year. It's just because you don't have the knowledge to do something doesn't know that you don't doesn't mean that you don't have the ability to do something. See, I told Sean, I said, you'll be proud of me. I'm, I'm finishing my basement and I'm doing it myself. Now my background's electrical. I can I can do the wiring and all that stuff. I've never done carpentry stuff. I've been around it. So I did the most same thing. I went to YouTube. Need to know how to get filled with the Holy Ghost? Go to YouTube. <laughs> no, so I went to the YouTube. You know what I discovered? I had the ability. I just didn't have the knowledge. But I kept focusing on what I thought was an inability. When really, it was a lack of knowledge. So once I started gaining knowledge, I realized I had the ability. And now I'm finishing my basement. I fixed my car. My 2000 Lexus RX 300 with 263,000 miles on it. That's my baby, man. I'm going to drive that thing till Jesus comes. <laughs> or Lexus comes and gets it and says, we've never seen anybody drive a car this long. But it wasn't working right last fall, and again, I started doing some research, and look at, and I, you know, I found out the transmission isn't going out of it. It's a whole safety issue, and you got to change out your ignition coils and your spark plugs, and so I changed out my ignition coils and spark plugs, and she runs like a top, or he. It's a he. <laughs> Men don't drive she's. Men drive he's. His name is Lloyd. It's Lloyd the Lexus. Every car in our family has a name, you know. Like every name, every number has a name, or how's that go, every number, or whatever, anyway. So you have the ability to grab hold of your future. You may not know how yet, but focus on getting to know how. And the best way that I know how to focus on your future is to focus on Jesus. Because he's the one that holds the truth for your life. You know what I've come to realize just lately? That the prophets, more than anything, the prophets understood the truth more than they understood the future. And the truth always led them to the future. See, we, in things about our future, we keep looking. And the thing about it is, is we need to find the truth to our future in the truth Jesus said I am the way the life and the truth you want to know where your future is and start lighting a, a passion in your life to know Jesus because he's your future he really is your future and if you will focus on him you'll discover a lot of things about yourself, a lot of things about where you're going and what you should be doing. Amen? So we need to, to learn some things. We need to, to relearn some things. And to relearn some things means that we need to, I'll use this very derogatory C word, change. I don't know why it is and. It seems like Christians, more than anybody, don't like change. Or they misread change. Recently, I read a study that was done in 1983 by Royal Dutch Shell, which is the Shell Corporation, Shell Gas Stations. I mean, 1983, they did a study of, of 27 companies that had longevity. These companies had been in existence, still are, some of them, Many of them still are in existence, but they had been in existence anywhere from four to seven hundred years. That's kind of a long time for a company. If you study the statistics of companies and their longevities, most, it's a very minuscule of that. 
But these companies had four to 700 years of existence. And in this study, they found the preeminent reason that these companies had longevity is because they were willing to change. So that got me to thinking, of course, I filter everything through this, the whole church world and the kingdom of God and everything. And so I started thinking about maybe, possibly a key to our long-term journey with Jesus, walking with the Lord and having longevity of that in our life, could be connected to us being willing to change. Because there are people that I know who once walked with the Lord who are not now walking with the Lord. Why was that? Because they weren't willing to change. And their unwillingness to change to change, led to a short-term walk with Jesus. So I'm telling you, if you want to have a long-term walk with the Lord, you better get ready and be willing to change. Because things are not going to be the same. And we have to change. Because what got us here may not get us here. And the only way we can get here is if we're willing to change here. You still with me? You got quiet on me. I was told that this was the radical crowd. I think one of the other things that we need to relearn is repentance. We need to really learn repentance. And many times when you say that word, especially in the church world, even outside of the church world, there's these preconceived ideas of what repentance is. It's this old hardline Pentecostal preacher, white hair, it's all slicked back, veins in his neck sticking out, spit coming out of his mouth. Repent! When really, the word repent is not hard. It's a very, it's a very compassionate, love-saturated, graceful word of God. See, Jesus and his disciples, or the the Jewish people of the time, didn't speak Greek. You know that or not? They spoke Aramaic. But much of the New Testament was translated into the Greek. But when Jesus and his guys were talking, they were speaking Aramaic. So when the translators translated certain things from the Aramaic into the Greek, sometimes they got off, not not in context, contextually, but sometimes they got off a little bit on the, the meaning of what the word was. So this word repentance, that we see Jesus talk about John, when John talked to the Pharisees, he said, you're not bearing any fruits of repentance. You'll find that that word was translated metanoia, which means, we'll teach you a little Greek today, which means change of mind. When in reality, in the Aramaic, if it was translated exactly, it would have been the word metacardia, change of heart. See, if all you do is go around and change your mind, if you have a change of mind about something, it's probably going to be short-term because many times a change of mind is an emotional response or reaction. But a change of heart, it's deep. It's transforming. It's life-changing. You're never the same again. You, stay, you, you don't stay the same. You can't. Say, so I have a change of mind about something, but I can kind of sometimes keep living, especially internally, with the things in my life, the fears, the concepts, insecurities, and everything. I'm going to have a change of mind and still have. But when you, when you have a change of heart, you become a whole different person. Behold, all things are new. 
you're like, man, I don't, I don't think that way anymore. I don't act that way anymore. I don't believe that way anymore. Your heart becomes something, a totally different environment. See, that's why in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, Proverbs tells us, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. That word issues means the environment. See, the environment of our lives is determined by our heart, not our head. And when God deals with you, when God interacts with you, he doesn't interact with your head. He interacts with your heart. And God says, I don't want a metanoia in your life. I want a metacardia in your life. And if we want to focus, and there are things that we need to focus on, my friends. There's some things that we need to get our eyes off of and get our heart on. But we have to be willing to let our hearts be focused, refocused, and transformed like right now. So back to Matthew chapter 8. Jesus takes the man outside of the crowd and he spits on his eyes. See, there was a Jewish custom. Do I talk about that? You know how this goes after so many of you wanted. Did I tell that story? There was a Jewish custom that the saliva of the firstborn son had healing virtue. And so for Jesus to take that individual outside and spin on his eyes was not really something uncommon. Okay? Because they're like, oh, he's a firstborn son. He has a healing virtue. So kind of a, a normal. We think it's a little odd, you know. <laughs> if you're here for the first time, they don't do that here. <laughs> I, let me put it this way. They might do I don't do that here. <laughs> so he takes him in, in, and he spits in his eyes. And he says, what do you see? And he says, I see men like trees. And so what did Jesus do? He lays his hand on him again. And when I was reading that scripture and understanding all this thing about Jubilee and the focus and everything, and I felt like the Spirit of God said, this year, in 2017, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay my hands on the body of Christ. Only I'm not going to lay my hands on their eyes. I'm going to lay my hands on their heart. Because... They've not been seeing things clearly. Their heart hasn't been focused. And this year, by the Spirit of God, I'm going to lay my hands on the heart of my body and they're going to begin to be focused on the things that I want them to see. God is giving us an opportunity, a tremendous opportunity, my friends, this year. What's your heart focused on? What's your heart focused on? Or is your heart in such a condition that you can't see anything? Is your heart filled with so much fear, anger, sin? But you can't see anything. God is a God of grace and a God of mercy. Jesus, after he laid his hands on this guy, and he said, what do you see? And he says, well, I see some things, but it's just not focused. And Jesus said, well, good luck. Hope you have a nice day. No, Jesus stayed there with him till his heart Till he began to see clearly. Jesus is going to stay with you, my friends. To help you 
get focused. Amen. Just stand with me this morning. My prayer. My prayer. Is that this is something that has touched your heart, has, has resonated with you. And that you leave this place today saying, Lord, I'm going to get focused. My life's been a little chaotic. I've been blurred on some things, but no longer. This year is going to be my year of focus. In fact, let's say that 2017? 2017. Oh, come on. Say it like you mean it. 2017. It's my year of focus. My year of focus. In Jesus' name. Amen. We bow our heads just for a moment, just to allow that, just the Holy Spirit to put that finishing touch on it. Just picture the Holy Spirit putting his hand on your heart. And just, just in agreement with that, just, you know, the Holy Spirit doesn't go where he's not invited. The, the human heart is the only place in the universe where, uh, where God is permitted to not reign. He has to be invited. And so, uh, just say, God, I, I just want you to take over all the real estate in my heart. I give you all the real estate. I surrender all the territory in my heart. Lord, take out my heart of stone and put in that heart of flesh again. Take out that hard heart. Lord, put in that, that fresh heart so that I can see through my heart instead of through my eyes. Lord, we just thank you and we agree with that. We worship you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship him one more time. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information about Journey Church or to browse our media library, visit us online at journeykc.com.